and again, it sounds weird, but it, it, it felt like burning plastic. It felt like the smell of burning plastic, which, which sounds weird, right? If, if you yes. haven't experienced it, but that's the feeling I got, that really nasty feeling, but it just, it never went away. Today's guest's year and year struggle with depression made him compile his coping mechanisms, treatments, and relief strategies in a book titled The Official Depression Relief Playbook. He's a certified personal trainer, certified fitness nutrition specialist, and a certified brain health trainer through the Functional Aging Institute. Welcome to the show, Zach. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of Mirror Talk. I would like to start by saying I admire your strength and efforts to overcome your experience with depression. Even more, thank you so much for sharing it you know, with the world in your book. Please, can you um, start by telling me your life story so far? How, uh, how did you know, the depression start? Were there like, some things that you noticed? And how are you able to overcome um, this experience of depression? Yeah, so back when I was a kid, I, I didn't really realize anything out of the ordinary was going on. I had a very quote-unquote normal childhood, meaning there were no major traumas or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that I have the insight, looking back, there were some things like um, I would take breakups harder than normal, like breakups with girlfriends when I was a teenager, things like that. And, mm-hmm. and just kind of minor things would really get me down, but nothing that I could recognize at the time as depression. So mm-hmm. it wasn't until... The summer after high school, when I get caught in what I call the perfect storm. So the big one was my best friend was killed. Uh, So that was a a major factor. Um, And then on top of that, all of my friends were leaving for college. They were leaving for university. So I didn't have any friends there. This is before social media. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, my karate school closed down. I I have a black belt in karate. So all of my all of my karate friends were gone as well. So that was all uh, on top of uh, there tends to be a pattern where in your late teens, early 20s, certain quirks, let's say, tend to manifest. So Mm -hmm. things like depression, OCD, things like that tend to um, show up in in those years. So it Mm -hmm. all happened to me all at once. So that was where I really hit my bottom and where really my part two began and, and everything for the next 10 years was figuring out how to build back up um, to, to a place where I could not just feel like I was dragging through the day. Mm. And then um, the time since then, after I felt like I got a handle on it has been spent um, trying to teach other people how to get mm. through it, hopefully a little quicker than I did. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And back then, why did like some, some signs you noticed, like some behavioral um, signs or acts, that you notice in yourself personally, and how are you able to pay attention to this? Um, or how can anyone out there pay attention to all of these signs? Well, because I had that that one major event with my best friend dying, mm-hmm. I attributed it to uh, grief. Mm-hmm. I thought it was grief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would spend a lot of time in bed. When it was in the middle of the day, I would spend a lot of time crying. I would spend a lot of time... Um, you know, I actually had to drop out of college. Mm. So, so yeah, I was going to say I spent a lot of time not paying attention in school, but I ended up just not going to school. I, d- I had to drop out. I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm. So I knew something was up, but I thought it was purely grief. 
However, everyone has to go through grief. And I had hit a certain point about six months later where I started to recognize, okay, this isn't just grief because, and it sounds crazy unless you've been through depression, I could tell a difference um, where I remember crying at work and it felt much cleaner. And that sounds weird, but it felt much cleaner. That was grief. My depression was something different. My depression was something that was pulling me down. And um, I'm sure we'll get to it, but I wrote a book and in that book, I describe, and again, it sounds weird, but it, it, it felt like burning plastic. It felt like the smell of burning plastic, which, which sounds weird, right? If, if you yes. haven't experienced it, but that's the feeling I got, that really nasty feeling, but it just, it never went away. Mm. Um, so what I did, uh, I, I had a very tough time concentrating and I, and I, about six months out, I said, okay, I've, I've got to at least make a small attempt to get better. And by no means was this everything, but it was something. And I decided I needed to start concentrating. And I said, I'll concentrate for a little bit of time. And I started by doing the worst thing possible. I started watching the news. <laughs> so, cause I thought, okay, well, smart people watch the news informed people watch the news. Mm. But what I ended up doing was I would concentrate for a half hour learning about all the murders in my area. So I didn't, that didn't help me at all. Yeah, <laughs> so that yeah. was a bad way to do it. Uh, and it wasn't until a few years later when I finally started getting traction and started building myself back up. I call it brick by brick because there's no silver bullet. It's, it's a bunch of steps that you have to do. And it, it was that small step-by-step -step action that, that eventually got me better. Was there like medication involved? Like you have to seek for help? And maybe get some, you know, um, medications to, you know, help you cure or, you know, deal with the um, depression. Right. Now, at that time, um, I, I mean, this is within a few years of each other, so I'm not positive of the exact timeline, but I did go see a psychologist once, one day, and she talked to me about medication. I said, no, thank you. And that was it. <laughs> and... Um, I thought, okay, I, she was nice, but, but therapy isn't for me and medication is not for me, but we didn't really talk about medication. She asked me if I wanted it. And I said, no, because I believed all of these things that, um, just weren't true. I believed all these rumors. I thought once you were on it, you had to stay on it forever. Mm -hmm. I thought they made you feel like a zombie forever. Mm -hmm. And these things just weren't true, especially for me. Um, so, you know, the first mistake was thinking that that therapy was a bad idea. And, and then I, I eventually, years later, went to a couple different therapists. They weren't great. They weren't great. And it wasn't until I was 23. So that was a good four or five years later. But I finally went to a therapist that I really liked. He again brought up, brought up medication, didn't talk about it, just said, hey, would you want to go on medication? I said no. And that was it. We didn't talk about it. So, so the medication was actually the very last step. And that wasn't until a few years ago. And because I had been putting in the work, doing all these other things that I write about, I, I, I had stacked myself up. I was doing okay. And I could have gone the rest of my life yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was talking to my, my primary doctor. Mm -hmm. And she said, um, she said, you know, why don't you, do why don't you try medication? Because around eight o'clock at night, I would, I would get pretty depressed. But the rest of the day, I would feel fine. 
uh, because I was doing all these other things. So she said, why don't you try medication? And I, and I said, no. And she said, why not? And I said, well, you have to be on it forever. And she said, well, if you don't like it, you can just stop. I was like, oh, I didn't know that was an option. Yeah. And, um, we, and she actually told me a lot about the different medications and, and what to expect and how long before um, the, everything kicked in, you would start to feel better, but how long the side effects would last, things like that, things people had, didn't talk to me about before. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until that that I finally went on it, and, and they've made a huge difference for my night times for sure. Yeah. yeah, but but again, that was the very last thing that I did. I I put in the work, and I and I have a friend who he has really bad anxiety, and we talk about anxiety and depression sometimes in the same breath because they mm-hmm. tend to travel the same pathways in the brain. Mm-hmm. And his first thing he did was was medication, and he said, "You know, I'm I'm on medication, but I don't feel great." And I said, "Yeah, because you haven't done the work. You got to put in the work. Also, you can't just do medication. <laughs> there's like I said, there's not just one silver bullet. Got to do yeah. the other things as well." True. That's very true. Can you tell me more about your book and can you tell me some of these um, coping mechanisms and treatments in the book? Well, like I said before, I, I'm a firm believer in there's not one silver bullet cure. I believe in, I call it the D-Day approach. So it's, you're coming at it with everything. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I do things, of course, I, I write things about fitness in there, getting your nutrition in order, because like you said, I'm a personal trainer and a fitness nutrition specialist. But I'll also come at it from, from other angles as well. And each one of these isn't going to get you all the way, but it's going to get you that little bit. So, And then when you stack those, it's kind of like a 2 plus 2 equals 6 type thing. If there's this compound effect where it starts to really lift you. But again, you have to, you have to do the work. And I, I wanted to write a book where it was something actionable. It gives you things to do as opposed to just read it, have these, these ideas, and then just forget them. So... Um, like, for example, I'll, I'll, if it's okay, I'll give a couple examples. Yes, please. Um, so there's a big theory that, um, that depression is directly related to your gut health. Now, I believe that's part of it. I don't think it's all of it. Um, and they believe that because you actually create 90% of your serotonin in your gut, not in your brain. Only 10% you create in your brain. So... Um, I highly recommend first that people get a, um, um, an allergy test, which isn't a big deal. They just put these pinpricks in your back and they see what you're allergic to, mm-hmm. uh, because then you can stay away from those foods that, that get you, um, get your gut all out of order. There are actually doctors out there who are prescribing, um, probiotics for depression to get your gut in order to get the serotonin up. Again, I think that's part of it. I don't think that's all of it. Yeah. Um, so, so that's just part of it. And I also try to get people on some type of like just a healthier diet. You know, I understand it's really hard for some people to have like this fantastic diet and that's, that's fine. But like I said, cutting out those, those foods that make you inflamed. There's another theory that, that um, inflammation is a huge contributor mm-hmm. to depression. So I try to get people on a lower inflammation diet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and like one of the things I, I give in the book actually is something called turmeric. Uh, and I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's kind of like a ginger root. It's all, it's orange though. Yes. And it's, it's better in, um, in pill form than it is in like actual root because you'd have to eat something like a thousand roots to get the curcumin out of it. And that's, that's the active ingredient you would want. So it's called curcumin. And so the pills you take, they can be called turmeric or curcumin. Um, 
those get your inflammation down as well. So I, I highly recommend those. Of course, I tell people they have to talk to their doctor first because sometimes those can interact with whatever drugs you're taking, but it's, it's safe otherwise. And um, the one thing that you, you want to be sure of it though is make sure there's a little bit of black pepper in there um, because that increases the bioavailability of it, meaning your body can absorb it a lot better if you have a little bit of black pepper in the pill. About half the pills out there have black pepper in them. And if it doesn't, that's okay. Just eat it with dinner and put some, some black pepper on your dinner mm. to take that turmeric. And that's going to get some of your inflammation down. Um, so I'm kind of going down the rabbit hole here, but there's a lot of different, <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of different, a lot of different tips I gave as far as like supplementation and, and, uh, and nutrition, just, just yeah. get, getting back to, um, another one. I'm, I'm from the U S I'm from the New York city area. And a lot of us are, are very low on vitamin D because we don't get a lot, enough sunlight. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's, there's a correlation, not, not necessarily causation, but there's a correlation between low vitamin D and depression. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. I, I recommend everybody gets their, their vitamin D levels checked so they can maybe start taking those. In fact, I have to take those every day or else my vitamin D gets too low. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I could, I could go on and on. I'm, I'm a big yeah. fan of, of uh, omega threes. I, I have that in the book as well. You know, like something mm -hmm. like flaxseed oil uh, mm -hmm. to get that inflammation down. But yeah, that's a part of it for sure. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. I'm actually going to ask you about you know some supplements and all that. But I'm happy you already talked about it right <laughs> now already. <laughs> that, that, that's that's really awesome. And, and I appreciate the fact that you talked about this already because, um, as you said. Um, you know, what we put into our body could also help us, you know, overcome or give us the strength to, you know, to fight depression that we are experiencing or even help us to even resolve it. There are some maybe some nutrition, um, nutritional um, deficiency that we have that could be resulting to depression in our life. Or it, some... it plays a role, for mm. sure. Yeah, absolutely. From your experience, what are some ways we could, you know, deal with anxiety? So I, got, I, ha I have a great one for this. So have you ever heard of box breathing? Um, no, 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 I've not heard about this. Okay. So I'm going to teach everybody this one <laughs> called box breathing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the way this works is um, it's all breathing through your nose and you're breathing that deep diaphragmatic breath, that belly breath. So your belly's going out and in, it's that horizontal breath, not that vertical up and down, but mm -hmm. your belly's going in and out, right? Mm -hmm. And then what I like to do is close my eyes and breathe through my nose. And the reason you breathe through your nose is because it activates that um, there's a little cluster of nerves in the back of your nasal cavity. And when, it, when the air rushes over that, it activates your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. Now, as you do that, you're gonna breathe in for a count of four, hold for a count of four, out for a count of four, hold for a count of four. So I do that every single morning. Mm -hmm. And it's, sorry, I would let you go through it, but I'm trying to explain this to the people. Yes, they understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's almost like you're drawing a box, right? If you picture that, if you picture breathing in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. And what you're doing is it's almost like an on-ramp to uh, meditation, almost like a meditation, but it's more of a concentration exercise, which is just as good. Mm -hmm. So, cause you're concentrating on that nice deep belly breath, you're getting that physiological benefit of the air rushing over that nasal, um, over the cluster of nerves in your nasal cavity. Mm -hmm. um, and I like to do it every morning when I'm calm. Okay. And then what happens is my mind associates that breath with a calm state. Now I've got that in the bag. Whenever I do come to something that maybe 
makes me nervous or anxious, I go back to that, that box breathing. Okay. Mm. And I'll just close my eyes, go through that for a few minutes and I'll visualize myself going through whatever it is that's making me nervous, going through it perfectly. So I would do this a lot when I was at work um, before a big presentation, before a client. Okay. I'd be super nervous. Sometimes I get anxiety. I'd stop, go through my box breathing. It would calm everything down. I'd visualize myself going through the whole presentation perfectly. Okay. Totally calm myself down. And it's almost like as if I've already done it. Like I've had a practice run going through that, through that presentation because I practiced it in my mind. Mm. So I'll go through all that, but it's important that you do this in the mornings or at, at any point really when you're calm first, because if you only do this at times when you're nervous, your, your mind will start to associate it with uh, times that are stressful. Mm. So you want to do it. Um, I, I do it two to one, let's say two times calm for every one time you're nervous preferably more I, I try to do it every single day when i'm calm yeah. yes that that's a big one for anxiety anxiety and that way you, you're able to calm your nerves your nerves or something or, or how does that help actually with the anxiety it's it's actually like i said well you're focusing your mind on that breathing right so you're not your your brain's not going crazy you're focusing your mind on building that box yes. and it's also with that air rushing over the nasal cavity for the parasympathetic nervous system that rest and digest it just yeah. kind of um I, I tend to talk in um, in in like metaphors or different like different examples. But if everything feels like it's crazy all around your head, it kind of yeah. focuses everything down. It just oh. pulls everything in a little bit, so yeah. it's a little more manageable. Yeah. Ah, okay, I understand. Oh, that's awesome. That's good. Yeah. So um, you, you're a certified, you know, personal trainer. I said earlier, you know, certified fitness nutrition specialist and a certified brain health trainer. So as a as a brain health trainer, um. How can we, you know, take care of our, of our, you know, brains properly? Okay. I got a good one for you. I got a real good one for you. Okay. So I'll, I'll give you two. I'll give you two. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, and I'm going to get a lot of pushback for this one. Mm. I'm going to get a lot of pushback. Number one, learn how to juggle. Mm. To juggle? juggle yeah. Mm. Juggling is really, really good for your brain. Okay. It's very simple. Anybody can eventually do it. But juggling is fantastic for your brain. It's, it's all of the coordination. You're, you're, it's so much um, more complex than people realize because when you actually juggle and you're tossing the ball up in the air, mm. and, and I'm showing Toby this, listeners, so, so <laughs> <laughs> sorry you can't, you can't see this. When you're tossing the ball in the air, you're actually looking up right? You're looking up at the tops of where those balls are. You're not looking at your hands catching the ball. So yeah. you're making this very complex pattern in your brain of not just, not just throwing them up and catching them, but you're predicting where these balls are going to land without mm. watching them hit your hand. Mm. So that's one of the theories here is because you're, it's that constant movement, movement and you're predicting where it goes without seeing it. So that's, that's a lot. That's all just automatically happening. It strengthens the brain. What's, what's going to happen there is when you do things like this, mm -hmm. uh, and like my other tip I'll give you in a minute, you're actually creating denser um, neurons. They call it neurogenesis. Denser, you're, building, you're building a denser brain. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a good thing, right? And you, and you may actually, if you, if you incorporate things like um, cardiovascular training, like uh, going out running or riding a bike, they yeah. call that... Um, um, Oh, geez, I forget. But you're going to build new veins. I can't, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> but, you know, you're going to create new veins. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I can't think. Not neurogenesis. The other one. 
Eh, whatever. So you're gonna build new, you're gonna build new veins as well. So that's a, that's a good one. So this other one that I really love, and I don't know if it's hit you guys yet. Have you guys heard of pickleball? Uh, no, I've not heard about that before. Okay, okay, look it up. There's a game called pickleball, and it's kind of like a cross between ping pong or table tennis and regular tennis. So it's like a really small tennis or a really big ping pong, and you play on a really small tennis court. Fantastic for your brain. It's it's a newer sport. It's it's, it's getting really big here. Fantastic for your brain. Also, the same thing. It's that coordination that that's just fantastic for your brain. Yeah. Before we continue on the show, I would love to tell you about a podcast I found called My Crazy Divorce. This show will blow your mind. This show is hosted by a guy called Tom Milligan. Every week, his guests share the ins and outs of their crazy divorce stories. And I promise you, you won't believe some of the crazy stories you will hear on this podcast. There are a lot of stories about lying, about cheating, about fighting. There are even stories about attempted murder, surprise polygamy, and much more that will just blow your mind. You can check this podcast out on every platform where you listen to podcasts and even you can just check it out on mycrazydivorce.com. That is mycrazydivorce.com. What inspired you to, you know, to get certified in all of these disciplines? I don't feel like I've achieved a lot, um, but I really like learning and I really like going after things. Mm. Um, and, but it, it, it didn't start that way. So the black belt I got just because that was my sport when I was in high school, I liked karate and I didn't like organized sports like, like baseball or anything like that. Mm. So I, I liked karate and, and I liked getting the black belt. Now I didn't graduate college till I was a little older because I had to drop out. Mm. So I, I always felt like I was less than other people because I wasn't a college graduate. And I was like, okay, well, maybe once I graduate, I'll feel better. And then I didn't. And I was like, okay, well, if I graduate with honors, maybe then I'll feel like equal to my friends. Mm-hmm. I graduated with honors and then I didn't. And I was like, okay, well, well, maybe if I become a personal trainer on top of it, then I'll feel great. And then I didn't. So what I had to do was actually turn that arrow, all these outward things, I had to turn it inward, which I talk about this in the book as well. Mm-hmm. You have to turn the arrow inward. And you're doing it for different reasons. You're not doing all these things to like impress other people or any of that kind of stuff. You're turning that arrow, arrow inward and you're working on yourself. And that's where my growth really came from. Mm. Um, and it was really working with clients, like personal training and doing the nutrition stuff. That's what led me to this next big thing of becoming a therapist was because, you know, I, I loved healing people um, physically but when I would meet with people about nutrition, they weren't talking about food. They were talking about traumatic events or, or things that were going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. So that was what made this. And, and that's, it's so much more fulfilling. And that makes me feel a lot better than going after certain titles and things like that. Um, for example, I'm becoming a, um, um, a yoga teacher in about um, six weeks. I finished up my class to become a yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. So really cool, right? But like, I don't even tell people because... Um, it, it's not, it's not like, a. have shifted focus, you know, back when I was 21, maybe I would be bragging about that. Cause I'll be like, oh, it's, look how cool this is. I'm a yoga teacher. But now once I shifted the focus to just working inward and helping other people, that was a big clarifying thing in my mind. And, and it also contributed to, to helping out my depression, to be honest. That's very impressive. I would, I would love to learn more about that or actually, cause in case there's someone out there who's asking, how can I work 
inwardly? How can I, you know, switch all of this, you know, trying to achieve things to impress people for different reasons to actually, you know, improving myself personally to having this personal development or this self-improvement? Um, how can I, you know, turn all the external factors into working um, internal factors for myself? The, the big thing for me was, and this isn't, this wasn't something that I did. It was just something that kind of happened to me. I realized nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> nobody cares. True, and, true. Yeah. And like, that's not bad. That's actually kind of liberating. Mm. Nobody cares. So, okay, cool. So I'm going to do what I want. You know, mm. instead of spending all this time trying, trying to impress all these people who don't care, they're more worried about what they're doing, mm. right? So I was like, oh, this is great. So, um, for instance, I, I play in a band. And um, I don't write songs for other people. And we, we play concerts. And I, but the, I don't, I mean, I want people to like us, but I don't write songs for other people to like us. I write them for us. Mm. And so we love them. And then if other people love them, that's great. So I started seeing my life kind of like that as well. Like I'm doing the things for me. Everything you do, you should do it for yourself. Do it for your own joy, your own peace of mind, for your own fulfillment. Yeah. And, and you know, that's not saying to be selfish, but it's saying it's not to impress people. Like I still do things to help other people. And that's great. Mm. And I love that as well. But that's different. That's, that's opposed to, you know, if everybody thought I was, you know, really cool because I, I became the president of a company. And if I spent all of my time becoming the president of a company that I didn't want and I didn't enjoy it, Mm. then what the heck's the point? Because they're not actually going to even care. So like, it, it helps me really reevaluate things. Can you advise me on the, you know, on the best physical activity plans to help me keep my body fit and healthy? Sure. And that's a good question because, and this sounds lazy, but it's different for everybody. It's slightly different for everybody. I mean, I'm going to give you another quick story. Okay. Yes. So when I was at my most depressed, okay, I, oh, you guys use kilograms, but I'm going to, I'm going to explain this in pounds just so you kind of get an idea. Uh, Cause I don't know kilograms. I apologize. So I'm five foot nine and I weigh 170 pounds and I don't know what that is in kilograms, which is okay, whatever. Yeah, but at the time I was 124 pounds. So that's very light. That's almost 50 pounds lighter than I am now. I was, I was getting sick all the time. And if I had gotten seriously sick, there was nowhere for me to go. So I was just skin and bones. I was very, very, very thin. Um, and this actually was the first step I took to actually, um, my first step in the right direction in, in defeating depression was I started lifting weights. Um, I played in a band with these guys who were really into lifting weights. And I figured, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I started lifting weights. And um, yeah, I was surprised because I was taking all of this advice from like mainstream, like things that people, especially Americans, people that they say people should be doing because typically Americans are obese. So I was eating less thinking I was getting healthier. Mm. But actually for my body type and my lifestyle, I should have been eating more because I was very active mm. and I should have been eating different types of foods. So I saw myself go from 124 pounds to 135 to 145 and I was building all this muscle mm. and I couldn't believe it. So, <laughs> I, so not only was I changing my body in a positive way, but I was also having fun and learning things. So that was like my first big step in, in 
in getting out. So I feel like I, that's an important thing to, to, to mention, right? Because for me, it was actually gaining weight. It's just like anything else. If you've never exercised before, don't go crazy off the top. Don't, don't go from zero to 100. Start easy and find the things you like. And I actually give a, a short list in the book of exercises of things that don't necessarily look like exercise. It could just be going out for bike rides or hikes, things like that. But find two or three of these things that you really like. I'm a, I'm a big believer in variety. Um, I'm lucky enough because I, I'm a personal trainer and I enjoy working out. So I enjoy lifting weights and I enjoy yoga and riding my bike and swimming and all that kind of stuff. But if you're the type of person who doesn't enjoy that kind of stuff, just find two or three things because you want to have that variety in there. You don't want to spend all of your time, um, let's say, uh, hiking, okay? So you spend all your time hiking, and that's great, but you're going to miss out on that upper body strength. Yes. So maybe you want to couple it with lifting weights, and you can get a little more rounded out. So it's a little different for everybody, but, but by all means, find the things that you enjoy because you never – it's not going to work if you don't like it. It has to be something that you like. The important thing is for you to do something, like for you to move your body in some ways. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And if you, and if and if nobody's done it, I'm a big fan, of course, of yoga. I I, I want. I wish everybody would try yoga. I think it's mm. it's really fun. And if you think about it, if you, if you know somebody with depression, I think one of the best things to do is to ask them to come with you to a yoga class, mm. uh, because say, hey, I'm a little bit nervous. Would you mind coming with me? Because it's going to make the depressed person feel like they're doing the other person a favor. So they'll feel good about that. Yeah. It's also going to get them moving their body. It's going to get them learning things. And it's going to get them in that, in that you're going to, they're going to get the social aspect of it. They're going to have all these, you know, typically nice yoga people around them. Mm. So it's, it's full of really positive things. Plus you get a little bit of medita yeah, meditation at the end. So it's, it's a great, great thing to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, can you, can you explain the, the concept of yoga to me? Like, um, there are always a lot of, you know, misconceptions about yoga around, like, oh, it's maybe um, some evil spiritual practice, for example, or some, yeah. Well, can you, can you like, explain, like, the, the, the concept and um, how is it beneficial to our else? Yeah, so yoga is not, like, a religion or anything like that. People think it is because um, they would see people you know, wearing certain headdresses or things like that, because that's where it came from was, was India. And that's just the way they dressed. But, but all those yogis, like yoga wasn't their religion. That was just, it's just um, basically a form of self-improvement. Okay. So the type that we have here in the West is called Hatha yoga. And that's just one of the branches. And Hatha yoga is the, um, the movement of your body. It's, it's the asana, they call it. So you're moving your body. And yoga is basically all done with body weight stuff. So you're getting a lot of stretching in there, which everybody knows, but you're also getting a lot of strength stuff in there um, and a lot of breathing stuff. You're practicing that, that nice deep belly breathing that I was telling you about, that pranayama. But that's what they call it in yoga, pranayama. So, um, so it's a, it's, and it's a full body workout. And a lot of people don't realize it. So back when I first started yoga, I was in college and I was in a room um, waiting for a yoga class and I was only taking it because it was free. And there was a really young girl there. She was just out of high school. And she was like, 
she was pointing out the windows in the other part of the gym with all the guys lifting weights, all the weight machines. Mm. She's like, you see all these guys out there moving all these weights around? They have no idea what fitness is. So I was like, what is she talking about? So I went and took this yoga class and she was right. I had, I had come from years of lifting weights. I did that yoga class. I had never been so sore in my life. My, <laughs> I could barely walk the next day. So it's really, really great for, for muscular strength as well. I mean, it's, it's, one could use it as like a form of workout also. Oh yeah, it's a workout mm-hmm. for sure. And you know, after working out and after, you know, moving your body, maybe hiking or going for some ri- um, bike riding, what are like some, you know, um, nutritional plans that we could, you know, make use of to eat LDR and better? So I'm a big fan of just the simple Mediterranean diet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, of course, you're going to have to swap things out depending on your body, especially if you took that um, um, allergy test. Right. Yes. So, for example, my fiance, she can't have wheat. She's allergic to wheat. So she, she has a modified um, Mediterranean diet. I can't do dairy. So I do a modified Mediterranean diet, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's my, my, my number one choice. Um, there's also, you may have read about it, but it's just called the anti-inflammatory diet or the anti-inflammation diet. Mm-hmm. Pretty similar, but you'd want to look into things like that as well. And the thing is, I know a lot of people who they'll start this kind of stuff. People in my, who I have when I, um, my clients, yeah, they'll go, you know, all in the first, you know, I don't know, week. And I'll say, you know, make sure you give yourself a little bit of wiggle room here, you know, have a little bit of time where you're not eating just vegetables or just whatever. Mm-hmm. And they go all in, all in, all in, mm-hmm. and then they fall off and then they're, they're eating, you know, an entire cake. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Right. So <laughs> what I do is I, is I eat pretty, I eat very clean 85% of the time. And then the other 15% of the time, I just eat what I want. Mm-hmm. So that way there's not these absolute rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there are a lot of people, you have to meet yourself where you're at because I know a lot of people who they drink soda at every meal. Like they're drinking, um, I don't know how much a day. So mm-hmm. just, just getting their drinks in order. Yeah. is a big deal for them. So, you know, mm. just having them switch to water, and if they don't like water, which is a surprising amount of people, yes. have them put a little bit of lemon in it. So yeah. it depends on where you're at, but you can't do it all at once. Sometimes yeah. just making that, that drink change is a big deal for you, and, that, and that's fine. As long as you're kind of always, you know, sharpening the sword, so to speak, just getting a little better, a little better. Well, you know, sometimes we want to eat like a, a nutritional meal, like, you know, with all the um, nutrients and everything, but, you know, in this modern day and age, we, we sometimes the food or the meal could be missing some vitamin C or some vitamin D or this like, and, but earlier you've talked about, you know, um, some supplements that we could use like turmeric and some like that, that we could use. Are there like some other supplements that one could make use of that are healthy that, um, you know, to supplement the deficiencies that we have in food? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually know a lot of vegans and, um, and actually this, this is, I wrote this in the book about depression too. Um, there, there's another correlation between low B12 levels and depression. So I always recommend people, anybody, take a B12 supplement or, or just a B supplement. I'm sorry. It's just a, and make sure there's the B12 in it because sometimes there's not the 12 in there because the B12 you can only get from animal sources. So vegans aren't getting B12. So I always make sure people take it. And that's a safe one. I mean, of course, always talk to your doctor, but that's a safe one to take because it's um, um, water soluble. 
So if you don't need it, it just passes through you. You're not holding on to it. It doesn't hurt you. So yeah, so, so that B12, that's an important one, especially for vegetarians and vegans. I found out that, you know, from, from January 2022, um, you, you start a licensed professional counseling grad program. Congratulations on that. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. So um, what are some, you know, good mental models or, you know, mindset that we could make use of? If you could cancel me right now um, before you get your licenses, um, can you cancel me on some, on some good, um, you know, mental models or mindsets that I can there, this is a big one, um, and I don't know if I talk about this in the book, but um, if you are depressed, you mm. have to practice forgiveness. Mm. And not just forgiveness with yourself, but you have to practice forgiveness with other people because people are going to say stupid things to you. Um, I had people say a lot of really dumb things to me. Uh, but the thing is, they didn't understand because they couldn't. They weren't in my shoes. So they couldn't understand what I, needed, what I needed to hear at that time. They were doing their best. So I had to practice that forgiveness you know, on, my, on myself to let that go. So that's one less thing I'm carrying around. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the biggest one that I'm trying to um, teach right now with a lot of people is practicing that forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So um, what are you looking forward to you know, in this um, you know, grad program, apart from you know, getting the license? What are you looking forward to, to learn or to, you know, improve on any grad program? That's a great question. I'm excited to l- learn the things that, that I have no idea about. Mm. So like things that aren't even on my radar, things that I just couldn't even imagine because I'm mm. sure there will be a lot of it because I'm, yeah. I, I, I've actually, I've, I've given this book to a couple of therapists and they're now actually giving it to their clients. They love so that's really nice, right? That therapists really like my book, yes. but I'm sure there are things I'm missing. Mm. There's, there's gotta be just things that have never popped up for me. So I'm yeah. really excited to be, you know, blindsided by these things I had never heard about before. That, that's, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. So if I, if I may ask you like, um, with all of this certificate and, um, all of these, um, yeah, the experiences that you've had in the past already and the future that you still have in the future. What, what, what are like your goals? What do you, um, you know, your mission is like to help people with depression, but do you have like some, some services that you love to render in the future or some, um, you know, plans, maybe a new book in the future that you are planning or some projects? What I would most likely do as far as the book is I would probably expand on this one after I'm done with school so I can put in all those things that I learned, but that will, that, that's not going to be for another couple of years. Yeah, so, okay. but this is a good starting point. I still love this book. Yeah. So that's, that would be for the book. As far as my life is concerned. Um, well, I'm still, I'm still a part-time personal trainer and I'll do that forever. I love teaching people how to work out. I love that. But as far as the getting the license, um, I really want to have my own private practice and, and maybe, um, expand that into you know having a team of us i think that would be really cool having you know a building with you know five or six different therapists i think that would be a really cool thing like doing a lot of help i think that'd be great yeah i think so too that would be awesome so for for anyone who is listening right now and maybe the person is going through depression or or anxiety or or they have someone that they know that is going through this um you know going through anxiety and or depression what advice would you give such a person like from your own experience you know, you experienced it and you overcame it. And now you are living, you know, without depression. 
what advice would you give them, you know, at this stage of their life? Okay, so if you, if you know somebody with depression, mm-hmm. get them into that yoga class. That's my first, that's my first just, just to get them, get that little bit of a crack in there, just to get them realizing there's things outside of their little hole. That's what it feels like. It feels like you're in this hole, right? Mm-hmm. Now, as far as um, other ways, if you are depressed, build a team. And by that, I mean, you know, talk to your primary care doctor, get a therapist on board if you can, mm-hmm. um, and get some kind of a trainer as far as like physical aspect, right? Because you're going to have this entire team rooting for you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't even have to necessarily get a personal trainer or anything like that, but I would get some kind of a coach. Let's say you like playing an instrument. Get, just get a coach that's going to push you on, along on that instrument or if you like writing, get somebody who's going to push you along for writing. So that way you have this whole little team working for you. So it's like you're the CEO, right? You're still in charge and you can, you can swap them out, but you're the manager. You're the manager of this team. So get all these people working for you and be brutally honest with all of them. Tell them what's going on in your life. And um, because like I said, you know, like the, the medication thing, that didn't come from a therapist. That came from my regular primary doctor who, who finally sat me down and talked to me about it. Mm-hmm. So you don't know where the help's going to come from, but get, get a team rooting for you. That's, that's my, biggest, my biggest thing, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. So for someone out there who, who would like, love to get across to you, maybe to get some more advice or, you know, talk about things that we, we didn't talk about right now, um, what's, what's, what's the best way to, to connect with you or to work with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best way to reach me is just through email. So it's ZachSRutledge at gmail.com, and I'll spell that. It's Z-A-C-K-S-R-U-T-L-E-D-G-E at gmail.com. That's the best way, and I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody. Awesome. I'm going to place this information in the show notes for this episode. So anyone who's interested could just copy it or um, click on it and get across to Zach. Beautiful. I, I appreciate that, yeah. Wow, you made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.